This is Mission Disco. This is Mission Disco. This is Mission Disco. A conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Mission Disco podcast. Um, we're struggling to remember what to do in this because it's been so long since we've uh, last recorded a podcast. I think we were looking back there, it was last year, I think November, December time. So apologies to the hundreds of listeners who uh, listen into this podcast and whose life is just not the same since we uh, stopped recording. But I think it is back to November, isn't it, Ross? Yeah, I'm just looking here back to November, December. So, um, yeah, this is the podcast, isn't it, Simon? So, yes, we are. We are delighted to be back. And I'm sure all you guys have just been um sitting on the edge of your chairs waiting for the podcast to be back and uh it's a big relief to probably hear our voices again so here we are with a 2022 podcast coming out you know yes four yeah. months into the year exactly yeah our hope is and our plan is and our wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying promise but our hope is to do one once a month and we have d who's going to help us keep us on track a little bit more as well and we might mix it up a little bit have some guests on as we have done in the past and Ross, I think this is possibly the first one we have done where it's just the two of us with no guests to prop us up. <laughs> it's just the two yeah, of us. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting and uh, maybe a bit waffly, but... Um, possibly, yeah, we have no articulate guests on. Anyway. Lots changed, hasn't it, Simon, since November? We obviously have Christmas and COVID overhang. Um, we've, we've done lots of webinars. Well, we've done a couple of webinars, haven't we? Um, yeah with Praxis and and obviously the war in Ukraine has started the last couple of months so the world is continuing to be very disruptive and um, living in that complex and uncertainty is is uh, is really tough yeah it is because I, I think the last podcast we recorded was the one potentially with Brian about kind of remote working and what that looked like and I think at that time yeah COVID was still was was quite big and Christmas was looking to be impacted and then January people were unsure of and then it all seemed to be a little bit more relaxed and a lot of restrictions particularly in Ireland were relaxed kind of around February March time and schools going back after midterm but then it, it felt like yeah with the war in Ukraine starting soon after that it felt like we'd gone from one huge event in, in the world to another one and I do wonder whether that's just the way the world is. And I don't know whether it's just we notice it more through social media and news and we're more all that stuff is more accessible or whether just we're living, as you say, in a much more disrupted world where things change and things happen quickly and impact us um, hugely. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting place to be in, I think, just navigating that a little bit. And I remember, I think we had Vivian Murta on the podcast, you know, sometime last year and something struck me the other day that she said at that time was that she said, um, we've got to be aware of the unseen trauma and the unseen overhang that the pandemic will, will, will cause. And even though we're kind of through, you know, mask wearing and lockdowns and all of that, I don't know about you, Simon, but I am noticing just this overhang of fatigue, overhang of uncertainty. Um, it's like as if the pandemic is catching up on us a little bit in terms of what's going on internally within us and within, say, our, our communities, our church communities, um, 
the places that we work, our families. Um, and it's just this strange time that we're, we're living through. I don't know what, yeah. you, what you observe, but... Yeah, no, it, it does seem to be that, definitely. And you know, I think people are, are a bit uh, lost or a bit all over the place and people making kind of life decisions. I went to watch a, a TY musical there last week, Greece. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but the song, uh, Greece is the word, the one that plays at the start and <clears throat> plays at another point as well. There's a line in it that says something like, um, this state of confusion, what are we doing here? Um, and it feels a little bit like that. It feels a little bit kind of a, 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 a state of confusion where people are coming out of things, but also feeling a little bit lost. And yeah, there is a bit of state of confusion of where things are going. And, you know, when we think of, of churches, of um, things starting back, it, it does feel a little bit of a confusion of what are we doing here and what are we supposed to be doing and that kind of a little bit of a lostness, maybe. Um, I uh, Obviously, we've been uh, looking at, a, we've been doing some prayer through um, Holy Week. And one of the prayers that came up was um, the kind of opening prayer, uh, which had been written was a little bit talking about that. It, it, I just read the, the first line of it. I found it very helpful. It says, faithful and present God, you are not blind to the storms that rage in this world, in my world, the illness that threatens, the fears that loom. Some are visible to the eye, but others are hidden in our heart. Lord, bring your refuge and healing strength. Make me still in your safety. And there is a kind of an element of that where, yeah, things are a bit confusing and are a little bit all over the place, but we trust in God and we trust in his provision and his guidance and direction in it all. But it, yeah, it is a bit of a strange period, all right. Yeah, like um, I love that that quote you said from Greece, although I'd prefer if you actually sang it and maybe danced I near, to it. But... I nearly <laughs> went in the state of confusion. What are we doing here, here? which is how they sing it. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll be another podcast that um, Indeed, yeah. you know if, if you're listening please vote for that I think that would be amazing <laughs> but I was saying to someone the other day you know um, who had COVID and they're experiencing those symptoms of long COVID and we were kind of sort of saying you know on the physical front that's what people are going through the tiredness and whatever but it, it parallels I think in you know I, I was kind of saying it's nearly like a spiritual long COVID that um in this middle of, of a disruptive time and things happening to us, it's very hard to articulate that sense of um, long COVID, the tiredness. And I think as you just read those, those uh, words of reminding us that our security and our refuge is found in God, even in the midst of, of strange times that we're living through. So mm. yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, one thing I suppose when we were thinking about what we might chat about on the podcast, we've the two of us have been um, involved a little bit in a journey and um, thinking about uh, missional enterprise. And we had a, a webinar back in November and then another one. Uh, we had a day then back in February or March um, about missional enterprise. We, so we want to talk about a little uh, about that uh, shortly. But there's a few bits that we picked out of some of the webinars that maybe we play. And it was just a little bit thinking about what it means to be a Christian and living in Ireland today what does that look like how do we interact with the world how do we um, navigate the world um, what does it mean to be a Christian I think it's a question lots of people are asking um, what does it mean to have a faith to follow Jesus in Ireland today and what does church look like so there's a few little clips um, do you want to maybe introduce the the first bit with um, Hugh um, Halter Ross yeah, so we did a webinar, I think it was like back in November as well, with Hugh Halter, who's based in the States. Um, he's written a, a number of books, one of them called The Tangible Kingdom. 
and some other bits. And he just has a very inspiring and, and um, uh, exciting journey of him being missional and um, starting churches in the context of his town and place. And just a fresh call to um, a more integrated life, I think, is probably what he, mm. he was kind of coming, particularly coming up against this idea of, of the dualism where we feel that um, the work is only really done in our spiritual kind of Sunday morning events or other things. He's he's got this much much more kind of holistic view of of living that out. So we just we just picked out a clip here on what it means to be called um, in that context. And um, I tell people that story because a lot of is the Bible sort of question. Oftentimes we think it's an issue of calling. We have to just remember scripturally every single person that follows Jesus is called. There, there are not some people that are called and some people that are not called. And you cannot be called and not sent. So there's no calling that doesn't call us into the mission of God. And um, so that was, you know, that's when my mindset changed. I just, you know, I, I guess I couldn't see around the corner. But Scott taught me that vocation is at the very center of how God provides for his missionaries. And, and then I began to study how pastors and ministry leaders have been paid over the centuries and realize that the, the idea of getting a full-time salary, uh, maybe even benefits, is only about a hundred-year story in the history of the entire world. So, so yeah, I, I think that's it's challenging when we think about that, um, yeah, being called to follow Jesus. I always go back to that whenever Jesus calls the disciples to that you know, he says, come follow me. So there's a calling to follow, but also I will make you fishers of men. And there's that kind of calling to, to go as well. And, and so much of the time we, we think about our calling is to follow Jesus and ultimately uh, that's, that is what it is, but there is also that call into his mission as well. We're called as co-laborers with, with Jesus to see God's kingdom come. So yeah, it's a challenge that, you know, cannot be called and not sent. Yeah, I think I think we kind of eliminate and um, eliminate that sending part until we feel that we've reached this place of either, you know, full time, you know, inverted commas ministry or um, a certain stage in our lives. Um, we discount ourselves so easily, don't we? And I think mm -hmm. what Hugh was inspiring us there was to kind of imagine what it might be to be called in the workplaces in the families that we find ourselves in with our friendships and it is interesting isn't it that this concept of full-time ministry is only 100 years old you know when you think back to the early church and how it felt as we read those chapters in acts where people it was just much more fluid and people were in and out of people's house households they sold stuff to help people who didn't have enough they they ran businesses, they were involved in the community, they, you know, as well as the disciplines of gathering and devoting themselves to fellowship and community and teaching. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's where Hugh was talking about, you know, by vocation, he, he talks then, I think later, he says, sometimes the tr traditional view, if someone was doing by vocational, he jokes, he said that you weren't doing either very well. <laughs> and, uh, and you ended up just, just falling into that pattern. But, um, 
I think I think it's just much more a holistic view of what God is calling us to, and um, yeah, that sort of holistic model. Yeah, it is, and I, I even think sometimes, and the bit you, the bit uh, I suppose uh, you picked out there was the, you know, you're you're called and you're sent. But I think sometimes for those who are activists or those who want to do stuff, I, I find sometimes myself more drawn towards the sent part rather than the calling to Jesus. And I think it's trying to make sure that we we're not one or the other, but actually it's trying to find a, a blend of the two that actually the sentness comes out of the calling. Um, and when we're sent, we're still called. Um, and just trying to, I suppose, trying to find that balance that it's not about just doing stuff and being sent and go, go, go. But there is actually a come to Jesus as well. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Just to underline that, I think that's really important. Our, our sentness comes out of our calling, doesn't it? And um, and they stay really integrated. And also when we kind of take that from individualistic, but also put that into a community idea, how do we feel we're called as a community and, and where are we sent as a community is a really challenging question. Yeah. Uh, one of the follow-up things that we did thinking about missional enterprise and again this applies to to all people and um, not particularly just missional enterprise which we will talk about but we ended up um getting to know a guy called ralph um, gatti who is uh, based in bratislava in slovakia and it's connected in lots of different places in the states as well as all around eastern europe but we had a, a morning with him as we explored missional enterprise with 12 or 15 different people from all across the island some in person and some online and uh he had some really interesting um, uh, stuff to talk about. Maybe, yeah, Ross, you introduced him or it, and I'll get it lined up here. Yeah, I, I think um, Ralph is a experienced business guy, and but he also has worked for the Navigators, which is sort of American um, missionary body, and spent probably about fifteen years in Eastern Europe. And um, he started a center for entrepreneurship in Bratislava and we were delighted to have him over back in February here in Dublin and we did that session and I think one of the things that struck me was just his um, I think there's a quote in here that he'll say is that dualism is like a cancer where we separate our work from mission or um, we have this hierarchical view of ministry and I think that disables so many people so let's listen to Ralph. The way we view work and ministry and dualism is um, it is like a cancer. <laughs> it's 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 something that you know we it's so endemic in our our culture, our Christian culture, um, the separation of work and ministry, of work and mission. We grow up with it. I grew up with it. You know, if you're really committed, you know, there's almost like this pyramid of commitment. You know, at the top were missionaries, and then, uh, well, missionaries to third world countries. They were at the top, <laughs> and then they were missionaries to everywhere else. And then there were pastors, and then there were doctors and nurses, and somewhere, oh, teachers were next. I think teachers. And somewhere, you know, way down here was corporate marketplace business people. Um, and, and so you just, you know, grew up being 
you know, I grew up in this kind of megachurch environment. We can go 52 weeks of the year without ever once hearing any kind of discussion about work from, you know, this very learned, very celebrity kind of pastor person. Um, we could, uh, yeah, it was just, it just wasn't talked about. Um, it wasn't related to. And so, you know, there was the celebration of the, those people at the top of the pyramid. Someone would show up and, you know, they'd be introduced and maybe talked about, maybe prayed for. And then, oh, the worst, the, the, the worst time of the year was always at the beginning of the academic year. They'd ask all the teachers to come up. We're going to pray for all the teachers because, you know, they're in these positions of influence in our community. We need to pray for them. That's really tough out there because, you know, kids are really bad these days. So you got to pray for them. And I'd just be sitting there as a business guy saying, hey, what about me? I got 800 guys working for me with tattoos and piercings and, and, and you know, beating their wives and I'm trying to reach them and, and it, you know, what about me? Why pray for me? Never happened. Never once in all the years that I was in that church, any other church, did they ever say, hey, all you business folks, come on up here. I want to pray for you because you are missionaries to our community. Well, that's what we grew up in. We got to change that. I think we're, we're making some progress here and there. Um, there are some initiatives that are, well, we grew up in that. Well, then we started, maybe we read a good book, you know, maybe we read, I don't know, Lifestyle Evangelism by Jim Peterson. That's an navigator guy. I know that book. Okay. And we got this vision for, Hey, you know, I could pray for the people I work with, you know, I could, I could maybe have lunch with them. You know, I could sit at the same lunch table with that unbelieving guy that works in the next cubicle. I, you know, we start to think about this partial integration, what I would call partial integration. Eventually, I think we want to get to the place where we think more of an integrated life that is thinking about blessing, about transformation, about sustainability, and thinking about some kind of platform. And that's where the mission enterprise really comes in because gives you the opportunity to really control the culture and and create the kind of culture that really is a blessing and so a lot of us are on this journey of trying to you know move more and more towards real true integration yeah um challenging words so there's a long clip uh, there's a lot in there but he, he he started off talking about this dualism and he had a diagram and i know um, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but where he had two separate things with work in one sphere or circle out here, and then ministry is something completely different. And we had this divide, the secular, sacred divide, I suppose, where we did one thing at one time and one thing at another time. There was never that integration. Um, and he, he talks through that then. He goes from dualism, where we have two separate things, then to the partial integration, where we see that lifestyle evangelism, where there's an opportunity within what we do to share our faith. But then he went further again and, and talked about this integrated life where um, the integrated life contributes or blesses um, people. It transforms. It's sustainable. Um, I found that quite, quite challenging um, just seeing that, uh, how he talked about that flow into being 
going from something that's completely separate, which I think the church has, has done or we've done as Christians to that much more integrated life. And I, I was challenged by his um, his bit where he talked about praying for the school teachers, because I think churches have maybe seen the benefit of that. And some churches probably do that. But the, I, I never really thought and should have never really thought about that. How do we pray for business people? Because he said we are missionaries in our communities as well. And how do we see life, all of our life, our whole life? Um, there's not this divide. How do we uh, live that integrated life? It's a challenge. Yeah, I, I think I think back to God's original design for us. You know, when you think about the Garden of Eden, like you know, you know, they didn't just have a worship service, and that was kind of where they had their all their ministry was happening. You know, there was like vocational element of stewarding and cultivating the creation to bring wholeness to it. And I think, you know, it'd be interesting to think about why we have um, this dualism in our churches and in our, in our thinking where we, as he spoke about, have different hierarchies for different people who are doing different things. And I think it really challenges me in terms of what are we platforming as as a church you know whether we go to conferences or we you know we profile different aspects of what people are doing and and i think we need to be remembering that that jesus calls us to this whole whole life way of living and um yeah i think i think it's really challenging the steps from dualism from a disintegrated life to an integrated one where you don't just switch on your Christianity and switch it off at different times, uh, but that you're living that wherever context. And so it's actually quite challenging, isn't it, Simon, where you could, you know, you could just switch on my, my Christian face today and, uh, and then, you know, Monday morning comes and you're, you know, you forget about all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. It's challenging to actually contextualize your faith in, you know, I run a business. I know Simon, you, you, you're, you are a teacher as well. And where does our, where does our way of following Jesus enter those spaces? Um, I don't think we have imagination for that as well, that maybe we should have. I think we have much more of an imagination for, for the things that Ralph described. And so I think that's a real need uh, for us in terms of underlining and affirming people who are wanting to integrate their lives in those contexts and resourcing and supporting and, and, um, and seeing more of that stuff happen. Yeah, I think you go back to that called and, and you know, if you're called, you're sent. And sometimes as a as a church or what we've heard in churches, you're called to Jesus and then sent to help out in a particular part of the church's ministry, as opposed to sent actually into the place where you're working. Um, and I think I suppose uh, just think a little bit about what Ralph had said there, the verse in Colossians 3, 17 um, in the message version. I, I, I love it as a, a verse. Um it says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. And I, I was challenged actually when we had a conversation with Ralph and I was thinking a little bit about, as was the question was, how does what I do in my everyday flow out of who God is and my worship of who God is? And, you know, as you, you talk about going into work or going into the places we're in or the relationships we're in, how how am I being shaped? How am I being challenged? How am I being directed by God? How am I responding to what God has done in my life in those places? Rather than going, okay, now I'm in work or now I'm doing this, now I'm doing this. 
and and it goes back to that dualism thing where it's that kind of segregated life where i do the christian bit well and i do the work bit well but it's a real yeah how do we how do we how do we do that well how do we talk about yeah. that um I, I think as well um sorry i just lost my train of thought <laughs> you can edit that bit out <laughs> that's what you're um, leaving it in us um yeah i i think I, I think it is a real challenge in terms of um sometimes we think we you know i think it's about noticing where god is working isn't it and i think sometimes we think he's probably you know the places that we notice him working is in our christian gatherings or our mm. you know they're the obvious places that he's working and of course he is working there but i think then we nearly turn off that radar and stop paying yeah. attention because he is working and he is the God who is on mission, restoring everything, making things new. And that has to include our workplaces. That has to include the communities that we inhabit. So I think our challenge is to kind of keep that radar on in terms of mm. like, how am I praying into the day? How am I making sure that I'm aware and paying attention to what God might be doing and in people's lives around us? And, and I think that's probably what I have tried to um how, how you kind of fight against and come come against the dualism is just having a posture of your you are trying to pay attention to what God is either saying to you in terms of your calling and to what's going on around us um, yeah that's that's really helpful because I think we do look for where's God at work in our churches or in our communities but actually in our in our everyday in our work and wherever that is I know Hugh had a an interesting part where he talked a little bit about the Benedictine monks and talked a little bit about that sacred and secular um, divide and what that uh, yeah just the importance of I've been aware of that and he talked a little bit about he runs this um, uh, post commons kind of cafe and uh, it's kind of a hub of work and, and places and he talks about the building of it I let him explain it but he talks about the building of the building and how um, how something that the Benedictines were about uh, was integrated into um, uh, what they were trying to do so I'll play this bit may need to be edited slightly but if you guys have ever heard of the Trappist monks, remember uh, much of our Sodalic or missionary movements were embodied in some of the early monastic communities. Well, the, the Benedictines or what became the Trappists of uh, St. Benedict of the 6th century, they had a motto that, in Latin that said, Ora et Labora. Sometimes uh, if you walk through our building in prayer as we were building this we wrote it all over the studs behind the sheetrock and we we carved it out of some of the steel tables that we made it just says aura et labora which means the prayer is the work and the work or the actual labor is how we pray uh saint benedict was one of the early leaders that kind of said there's no distinction between the sacred and secular space anymore and so as we work, it literally is the prayer. As we pray, it's it's alongside the work. So what was unique about the Trappists is that they were the only cloistered order that never had to beg for money because they made it. So they were the only enterprisal order. So, you know, Rodney Stark said it was the Trappists of the 8th, 9th, 10th centuries that actually funded what would eventually be the Reformation because they, during the time of the Reformation, they owned a third of England. It was the landowners that had developed enterprise that, that literally almost um, obviously there was some corruption there, but um, you know, these were cloistered, like literally intentional orders that would not leave the cities. They would go to the main streets and they would go, what do people need? 
Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like I think Hugh recommended that book. Uh, it's called The Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, which I did buy and attempted to read a few times. I'm sort of halfway through it. But I think what um, that phrase, Aurea at Labora, um, which basically means pray and work. Um, and incidentally, I remember being on holidays out west at Kalmore Abbey and uh, some of the early uh, monks who were there had this sign, pray, pray and work and work and pray. But the, the Trappist monks would kind of emphasize that the twin pillars of a monastic community are not just living a prayerful life, that's important, but the other side of it is, is integrating that with their work. So they would say that work is a form of prayer and prayer is a form of work. And I think that really helps us when we think about this dualism idea and how do we move away from that is this idea that our our work and our prayer come together in a more integrated way um mm. what do you think simon yeah no it's it's <clears throat> i think it's it's very challenging and you explained it well and yeah i think it is the the challenge for each of us to consider how how do we live a more integrated life rather than just dualistic life um it's a challenge to both of us and to each one of us um Russ, I wonder maybe just in the last few minutes, it might be worth um, thinking, because I think that applies to all, all of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that what is an integrated life in everything that we do, but kind of going that step further. And I suppose the, the two webinars that we've we played um, clips from, they're available and you can, if you would like to listen to the whole thing, we can, we can let you have those. But it was around that missional enterprise and what does it look like to, to think about um, enterprise as a missional space rather than literally just uh, start a business and do a church and keep them separate but actually not only is our lives to be integrated but actually how do we blur the the, the lines between those two things um, so maybe ross it just uh, would you uh, share a little bit or just explain a little bit about missional enterprise or the journey that we've been on and and what we hope to to see happen yeah i i think i think this is this is a really exciting uh, venture for Praxis and kind of some of the stuff that me and Simon are discovering. I think it's interesting when you when you look at the word entrepreneur, it means someone who sees a gap and stands in it. And you can apply that obviously to, you know, you know, there was a gap for an iPhone. So an iPhone was invented and and you know someone stood in the gap there. But I think it's a really great way to think about innovation when we think about God's mission, that we are looking at where God's working. Where are the things in our society that need redemptive action? And where do we step in and partner with God and the Holy Spirit to bring some of heaven to earth? So we're really thinking about... Um, you know, where are the Josephs and the Esthers and the call of Daniel? You know, where are those people um, in the present uh, day? Uh, people who heard from God and stepped into situations that used their entrepreneurial spirit to bring um, God's love, his redemptive activity. Um, you know, I think back to, you know, the Quakers in Ireland, the Guinness family, um how they how they helped people at probably the most pivotal you know lowest point in irish history in the famine in 1850 that sort of era where they provide investment they provided education and they train people how to how to sew and 
um, how they ran soup kitchens and, you know, you look at the Cabri family in the UK. So there's all this kind of um, remnant of how business was not this evil thing. Obviously, it can be where it's corrupted. But I think um, like in all the way that ways that God's works, he, he wants to redeem things. And that includes enterprise and business to bring about more of his mission on Earth. So we're exploring a way of um, how we can do this. Um, I think one of the ways that we wanted to do it was just kind of bring some some people who have this entrepreneurial spirit or who have a way of thinking about business and thinking about their vocation and how that can become more integrated in towards being missional. So we we had our gathering that Ralph spoke at and uh, we're really keen to continue a gathering that supports each other, hears people's stories and um, goes along with that. Myself and Simon had a great privilege of actually going out to Bratislava last month to visit Ralph and his whole team there. And it was really inspiring three days that we had there. Uh, it was a beautiful city in itself. And obviously with all the stuff going on in East Europe, it's a really pivotal moment and a pivotal country of Slovakia. Um, and the stuff they're doing there is just really inspiring. You know, they've 12, 13 businesses ranging from an oil changing company that employs people who are recovering from addiction to secondary schools, primary schools, to fitness classes where um, the coaches are having amazing one-on-one -on -one time with their clients in terms of getting to know them and, um, and, and how it's all integrated in, in, in bringing God's love to these places. And so, um, yeah, it's been really inspiring. I think some of the stuff that they, they think about is about impact, is about influence and um, just living that integrated life. They have this nice concept of a triple bottom line. So most businesses are focused on one bottom line, that's profit. But uh, their idea of triple bottom line is that missional enterprises are focused, of course, on profit and financial sustainability, but also on number two would be social and environmental impact. So how can those businesses be, be bringing impact in those areas? And then the third uh, um, bottom line is spiritual transformation. So where are we seeing God's kingdom um, come through those businesses so yeah so we're on that journey if you're listening and you're interested in this whole area please get in touch with us because uh, we'd love to connect we're learning as we go um, but we'd love to kind of um, potentially see some new micro businesses start with with this triple bottom line mindset to it and um, and drawing people in and so circling right back to what we started with today in terms of like being called and sent um if you're listening, um, I, I think this is this is something that that we're really excited about, and includes the church, includes um, lots of different ways that we can um, be missional at this time. Yeah, thanks, Anything Ross. It has add? been a yeah. I know it's it's been a really interesting journey, and I think some of that challenge, that personal challenge of the sacred secular divide, the dualism, and what does an integrated life look like for us as individuals, but then that that carry on journey into what is an integrated life look like in, in terms of church and mission and business and enterprise so it's been an interesting journey i've been learning uh, lots along that so absolutely yeah uh, we'd love to hear from you there's a, a couple of people who are who are on the journey with us exploring this so excited to see what comes of that and how god works in and through it so yeah thank you it's been good chat it wasn't as bad as i uh, thought it was going to be with just the two of us without some Thanks, inspiring I appreciate guests. that <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and if anyone's listening and um, they they want to kind of hear about some some other topic, please do get in touch with us. Let us know what um, what you'd like us to be talking about more. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are thinking and, and planning through. We want to. I suppose the point of the podcast is to share uh, missional stories and inspire um, us about what God is doing in Ireland and and think creatively and innovatively about missions. So yeah, absolutely do get in touch if there's particular things that you would be um, interested in hearing uh, about. So thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at praxismovement.ie.